Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Rays win their series at Toronto in an unconventional way. They follow one of their most discouraging losses with maybe their most inspiring win, rallying to beat the Jays 10-9 on Sunday. First, they blew a seven-run lead on Saturday, then overcame a seven-run deficit to win the next day. We'll tell you also about three trades that the Rays made on Sunday, none of those for a pitcher. And the Bucks have had three training camp practices now. They were in pads for the first time on Sunday. And let me tell you, folks, the defense, yeah, the one that gave up 29 points a year a year ago, uh, they completely dominated. Is that a good sign or not? And Andrea Kramer of HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumbel, she sat down with Bruce Arians for a segment that will air on Tuesday he says he wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in a hospital this year, as he has every year he's been a head coach. And he doesn't think it'll be that serious this time. Is Arians going to make it through the season? We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstick. Hey, if you'd like to uh, sponsor this podcast, we've got some great new ways you can do that. Our sponsors are having some great success, and you will too. Now, here's what you do for information. Just contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We love to have you uh, be part of our team as a sponsor or advertiser. All right, Steve, we'll get to the uh, the Rays' crazy, crazy weekend that they had in Toronto here in just a minute and uh, what all that means for their playoff chances, et cetera. But first, uh, you know, the Bucks not only reported to training camp since we last talked, they've uh, actually had three of their workouts, including their first padded practice on Sunday, and they did not disappoint. Um, you know, it's it's been it's been an interesting three days, I will say. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of Bruce Arians just yet, and we'll get more into that in Andrea Kramer's report that's going to air on Tuesday. Uh, I'll say this. He's a, he's a great quote. <laughs> he's... He is right up there with the best of them uh, that we've ever had, including including John Gruden, who I'll mention in just a minute. Speaking of HBO, um, but I, I'll tell you, it, it is a uh, it's a different vibe. There's a lot of energy on that football team. I think a lot of it, quite frankly, is uh, been brought by these rookies. Um, you know, there are certain rookie classes, you know, that the Bucks have had that obviously have flamed out and haven't done very well. And then there are others that you just sort of knew from the beginning, you know, like Jameis Winston's class, for example, that they had some really good players. I mean, it was a, it was a mature group in, in some ways. Um, you know, obviously they've all been pretty successful with Jameis Winston. You know, you, you know, you have Ali Marpet, Donovan Smith, you know, guys like that in that group. And so they've, they've done pretty well. Well, this one I think is going to be exceptional as well because a lot of these guys are going to play and they're going to play early. And I had a chance to, uh, you know, we talked to Devin White Early in the process, I think it was either Thursday or Friday, uh, as they were getting starting with training camp. I wrote a column about it in the Tampa Bay Times on Sunday. If you have a chance to go to tampabay.com and check that out. And, you know, the thing about Devin White, like we, of course, we started with the fact that, you know, the, the guy has a bunch of horses and, and one that he was particularly attached to that he bought about a year ago. 
Daisy May by now. You heard, heard of course, that um, you know the horse uh, died on the eve of him coming to Tampa Bay and signing his contract and beginning his NFL career. Um, and it was really devastating to him. Um, so we, when we talked to him, it was like, you know, hey, can you give us more details about what happened? It sounds as if that, uh, and I don't, you know, obviously they probably, you know, do autopsies and things like this, I suppose, on these animals. But um, at some point, you know, he was up there and uh, the night, the day before, there was a big trail ride um, that he was doing near his hometown. And it, it was, a you know, really um, sort of hot day up there in the, in the south. And um, uh, for whatever reason, I guess the horse became overheated and dehydrated and started struggling um, they tried to save the animal, you know, to at an animal hospital, et cetera. And he stayed, stayed with his horse, but eventually she did, she did pass. Um, but then, you know, he was, he was glad that he could go from that uh, tragedy to his football family, which, you know, is obviously something that's very big in his life now and jump right into uh, becoming the leader of this defense. And, and, and I, you know, when I wrote this, uh, this, this analysis about him, um, what I, came to, to to really think about is that I can't remember another defensive player taken this high by the Bucks, which as with as much expectations and responsibility, not just the expectations, but also the responsibility that Devin White has. And almost universally I can't find anybody, including him, that doesn't think he'll be up to it. Just to give you an example of how naive this guy is, Steve, so um, you know, they, they've had now in the NFL uh, what amounts to, you know, sort of a helmet communicator where um, the offensive coaches, uh, whether it's a coordinator, head coach, whoever's calling plays, you know, can relay uh, that, that play call through a transmitter, you know, that, that goes into the helmet of the quarterback. And, and, and then someone on defense similarly will talk to the defensive coordinator or play caller. Um, and, and, you know, typically it's the Mike linebacker, but it doesn't have to be the middle linebacker. It could be a safety, it could be Levante David who plays outside. So, you know, in any case, those helmets are designated by a green dot and have been for really a while. If you, if you watch TV, uh, you look at the quarterback's helmet, the back of it will have a green dot. And that's so that people, if, if the helmets are scattered on, you know, for some reason on the bench, and they do have several of these in case the transmitter goes out, um, the equipment guy can quickly find, you know, the helmet that has the transmitter so that everybody doesn't have to signal in plays and things like that. Well, Devin White had no idea what the green. So at one point, you know, um, after the rookie rookies came in for three days, you know, Bruce Arians told Devin, hey, man, I'm going to give you the green dot. And Devin had no clue what the hell he meant until Todd Bowles started talking into his helmet. <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute, this is. This is kind of different, you know, and he started because uh, coaches can literally get inside their heads. Um, but it, was, it just showed you sort of like how how blissfully naive this guy is. And yet he was like, oh, I'm completely ready for it. You know, like it, it's cool. I thought it was great. And I am I'm absolutely uh, down with, you know, being the defensive quarterback of this team, setting the tone, getting guys lined up. And, you know, and he's also going to be making plays all over the place. So. Um, really interesting guy to talk to, and uh, like I said, just fascinating how many people, including I, I talked to Booger McFarlane. You know, Booger McFarlane is a guy that's, of course, now the star of Monday Night Football. Uh, him and Joe, Joe Testator now are the only two guys in the booth. And Booger played at LSU, so, you know, he covered college football, and he's he certainly follows the Tigers. And I, and I asked him, because, you know, there was a time, too, when Booger was drafted in the first round, and he was supposed to be the next Warren Sapp while playing next to Warren Sapp, which was really weird. 
you know, you've had Gerald McCoy. There's expectations about him, but you know, as a rookie, the team went ten and six. He he was hurt and barely played. Um, you know, and and then there's been others. Of course, Sap uh, fell to number twelve. Brooks was drafted later in the first round, but those guys, you know, came in and played for defenses that didn't really fit them. Um, but it, it it's just you know, Booker McFarland thinks this guy. He goes, look, if he doesn't get hurt, he told me. He's gonna live up to this. I really, he says, I really believe because he's he's got this rare combination of incredible athleticism, um, you know, great a great football mind and humility. He says that you just don't find it's just rare. So, Bucks fans should be excited about him. Well, I think that's why you know, Jason Light and, and the Bucks organization kind of zeroed in on him quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was. What a month or two before the draft, and it was the Bucks yes. are taking Devin White, and, and no doubt. the whole NFL knew it, and the Bucks knew <laughs> it. And as much as everyone tried to say if if this player fell and this player fell, and and you know if a quarterback gets taken earlier that they were going to take someone else, maybe they would have, maybe they didn't, but right, you know, I I think they were sold early on Devin White, and that's you know all the reports you got, and and that's why that's why they're. You know, they may even if some of those defensive linemen had dropped, they may have taken Devin White anyway, knowing they needed a leader on the defense, and they thought he right. was up to that task. Maybe the only guy I think that might have changed it, and I I haven't asked anybody this, but I did get a sense that it might have been the case, is if Quinnen Williams had been there, that would have been a tough decision for them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, matching him next side, you know, alongside Vita Vea. Now this the draft, of course. Um, I want to say, well, that happened long before Gerald McCoy was out of here or, yes. you know, Indomitian Sue was acquired So, as a free agent. So they, they would have had those two young guys for years to come um, playing next to each other. And Quinton Williams is a special player. Um, so, so from a defensive line standpoint, I think that's probably uh, – You don't you think know, Bosa only, would have done that? I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't sense that he would have. Although there's, you know, San Francisco's obviously very happy with him. I don't think he was overdrafted where he went. Uh, that would have had to have been a conversation. The don't thing about Boso is that might give you pause is his injury history. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy that that got you know hurt in in high school. Of course, you know, wasn't able to finish or didn't chose not to finish at Ohio State because of an abdominal thing. Um, he seems fine now, but but still, the, you know, there was one one red flag there. Uh, whereas Williams has has never been hurt. He's a very young football player. He really only started. He started one year at Alabama. That's how damn good Alabama is that he couldn't get on the field um, until some guys got drafted ahead of him. But I don't I don't know if anybody. But you're right, man. They were on to Devin White. I remember being at the owners' meetings in March. Um, where were they in Arizona and talking to John Lynch, of course, the 49ers GM, and we were just kind of like, you know, playing the mock draft game and. Um, you know, he didn't tell me they were taking Bowles or whoever. But, I mean, you know, basically we got to Tampa, and I was like, you know, yeah, I keep hearing. He goes, oh, they're taking Devin White. I go, but how do you know? He goes, trust me, Devin White's their guy. Everybody knows Devin White's their guy. And I was like, well, yeah, but at number five overall, I mean, for a, for an inside linebacker, an off-the-ball linebacker, um, you know, to be taking that high, you that's that puts you in a real elite company. You better be – he goes, oh, he's everything. He's everything you think he is. He's an unbelievable player, just unbelievable – so, look, when you hear Ray Lewis, when you hear Patrick Willis, when you hear a guy like Ed Orgeron that coached them both say that at this point in his career he's as good and, and as good of a leader as those guys were, look, every now and then, and, and I'm not, you know, talk about predictions, but every now and then if you draft high enough, you're going you're gonna to pick you know, a guy that's going to put on a gold jacket. I mean, um, and they, they need – the Bucks need him to be 
maybe not a Hall of Fame player, but somebody who's capable of winning Defensive Rookie of the Year, somebody who's capable of going to six, seven Pro Bowls, you know. Um, and, and you know, I don't know how good he'll be year one. I mean, I watched him out there. He moves really fast. He seems to get everything. Um, he makes some mistakes. He's not perfect. Um, but, boy, he does it full speed. And, you know, we haven't seen him play a game yet. I, like I said, it's just so much on this kid. But he has completely embraced, like, all those expectations. And he's kind of a – you know, the other thing when I talked to him about it is that he said, look, I've I've always had a lot of responsibility. Even when I was growing up, you know, my mom worked. Um, of course, he, he lost his brother when he was still very young, got, got killed in a car accident. Um, you know, he said, you know, a lot of the guys were playing video games. I was out earning money, you know, trying trying to help my family and, and make a living and, and, and doing things like that. So he's a guy that had to grow up fast, and, and so it's not a big deal for him to uh, to move into that role. But interesting story anyway about Devin White, and you can read that on TampaBay.com. As far as who looks good, who looks bad, well, um, I'll say this. The first day in pads anyway, the defense absolutely dominated. And if you're a Bucks fan, you should think that's probably pretty good news, right? Because, well, they gave up 29 points a game a year ago. Yeah, the defense the last two years have, has not been uh, described as stellar. No, not at all. And and I think that, uh, you know, Todd Bowles is, is obviously making an impact early. Now, I would caution everything with the fact that it's, it's a little like spring training in, in some ways in baseball. But, you know, when, when those pads go on uh, and there's a little more physicality and, and as Bruce Arian says, the noise gets louder, you know, they're both learning new schemes. But for defensive players in general, they're, they're in the reaction business, right? They They go – and read and react and they react fastly. And, and, you know, if you make a mistake, you do it full speed and all that stuff. The offense is still trying to figure out, you know, what they're doing, you know, and, and before they can really, you know, look at the defense and, and, you know, try to make sure they hit the right guy and, you know, you know, adjust the line and, you know, who's the hot guy and who's coming for you. I mean, so they weren't very sharp. Um, you know, I don't know. It's all on Jameis Winston. He didn't have a very good day to say the least. I'd like to see him complete more footballs just in general in practice. He still throws um, interceptions, and and this is the time of year you would do that because you're going to try some things, you're going to take some shots, but, um, you know, some receivers aren't running great routes out there, and he had a pick six, you know, that Vernon Hargraves had in a two-minute situation, which wasn't good, but then he came back and hit a deep ball. I'll say this, man, Mike Evans and Jameis Winston, that's what the Bucks do well. If you're looking for anything they do well, it's those two dudes. Although Mike, uh, you know, they were running a uh, a situation where they're trying to get in field goal range, and on fourth down he caught a bomb, and he came up a little gimpy. I guess the maybe the heat had bothered him. I guess he got sick early in practice. Looked like that he had a cramp. Uh, you know, if you're a Bucks fan, you hope it's not more than that. But uh, you know, he's he he looks phenomenal. Chris Godwin looks really really good. Um, but in terms of their defense, they they were just all over it, which is not good, by the way, for the offensive line. Look, guys came completely free today, um, scot free. And I thought I asked Bruce Arians about this. I said, "Look, is that, you know, is that sort of your your offense that you know there's going to be times when, you know, you just can't block people, and and in those cases, Jameis has to get rid of the ball and account for the guy that has no one there to block him. You just got to throw it hot." And he said, "No mental errors. We had mental errors all over the place. In fact, he used a colorful term that uh, I can't get in the newspaper, maybe on the podcast. But he said a lot of these offensive linemen. Yeah, we were. We had some guys just uh, crap their pants today in pants. Yeah. When they didn't know what to do, and and they blew assignments and things like that. 
So uh, the pass rush was all over Jameis. Um, you know, I would say, and I, I think Scott Reynolds of Pure Report uh, might have tweeted this, and it's true, Noah Spence might have had the best practice I've ever seen him have since he's been here. Noah Spence in this defense is a different player, okay, because he doesn't have to line up as a traditional, you know, defensive end who has to take on tight ends and, you know, running backs and, and, and guys running downhill at him. Um, he can stand up. He can penetrate. Um, you know, he, he can use his speed and athleticism. He's not in a three-point stance. They can move him around all over the place. And he looks quick, and he abused Caleb Benenoct a couple times, which is probably not unusual because, you know, Caleb has a ways to go filling in for Donovan Smith. By the way, Donovan Smith, and this would be a horror, if the Bucks lose a player and, and they had to throw a dart at a guy they, you know, that, that, that they did not want to – I mean, look, they can't afford to lose Donovan Smith. Out of all those linemen, they don't have a guy that can replace him. You know, they might have another right tackle. They might be able to get by with Evan Smith at guard or center. You know, there's, there's things they can do. They cannot replace Donovan Smith. I don't care what you think of him. Um, the guy needs to be out there, but apparently he has a little bit of Achilles strain right now. Again, Bruce Arian says he got a little nick in his Achilles, but it's nothing serious. But Spence was terrific. <clears throat> I'll say this too, and I don't know how long this will last. And again, it's one day. But Vita Vea and Indomitian Su lining up next to each other—that is a load. Those guys can push the line of scrimmage backwards, man. I'm telling you. In fact, they were wrecking practice during the run drills today. Uh, and again, it was the first day in pads, and some of those some of those guys weren't doubled like they were supposed to be. So there was a lot of mental errors again by the offensive line. But they are force. They're going to be a force inside. Um, I mentioned that uh, Mike Evans played well. Um, Peyton Barber is clearly right now their best running back. He showed um, some power uh, in some of their run periods and and some explosion. The guy that needs to get going, and it's not a, it's not a secret, is is Ronald Jones. Steve, Ronald Jones, I can't figure him out. Um, and, again, it's early in training camp, and what's going to really matter is what he does, you know, in the preseason games and, and in these practices. Uh, but, you know, they put the pads on, and they had some running situations and some goal line things. And, you know, Ronald Jones comes out and doesn't run it hard inside, which, you know, I know he wants to be an out. You know, he's mostly used outside in college, but he's put on weight now. You know, he's 221 pounds, not 208 so, you know, but he, but he, didn't, look, he didn't look strong running through there. And then, um, you know, they threw him a pass in the flat that would have been a touchdown, and he dropped it. And you'd like to just see Ronald Jones. This was the thing last year. Like, I remember talking to him and saying, well, I didn't realize, you know, they want to see you make plays in, in practice and training camp and then again in the game. Well, yeah. Uh, he had some opportunities. He's going to get more. He did, he did break off a nice run, and he did make a nice catch on a ball that was thrown behind him um, that was a more difficult catch. But – you know, Ronald Jones needs to make plays. I even asked Bruce Arians, you know, don't you want to see him make more plays? I'd like for him to have more opportunities. He, the two he had opportunities, he busted, you know. And uh, I, he dropped an easy touchdown just squeezing it too hard. But he, he's pressed on a little bit because he really wants to be good. So I like that. Look, if you're pressing in the first padded practice, what are you going to do week one against San Francisco, man? I mean, you might want to relax a little bit and just make plays. So, you know, and, and then let, let me uh, finish it on this as far as the, the Bucks go, and I'll get your thoughts, Steve, is that the kicking competition is I was going to ask that. I was going to ask oh how that went. Oh, my God. It's incredible. Look, I've never seen this before. I know 
You know, the Bucks, of course, is is the Bermuda Triangle of kickers. I mean, the curse of Matt Bryan is well documented. Um, you know, just in the last couple of years alone, they've gone from, you know, Roberto Aguayo to uh, Nick Folk to, you know, uh, Chandler Cananzaro to, you know, just uh, Cairo Santos. I mean, you name it. And no one really has done a good job, although Cairo made, I think, 8 of 12 last year. But in any case, you know, this Matt Gay they drafted in the fifth round, a lot of people went, oh, another kicker. Can I just tell you something, man? This guy hits the ball so hard, and it sounds so different that when it comes off his foot, there, you know, he's a big dude to begin with. Like, he's about 230-something pounds. But there is a thump that you hear all over the stadium. He can blast the football. And Cairo Santos is having a great camp. What they've been doing is they've been going every other day. They started with Santos the first day when they were inside um, because it got rain on Friday, I believe it was. And Santos, I want to say, went uh, eight of nine. Okay, he 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 uh, missed from like fifty-five or something like that, which is a long, long field goal. Then the next day, Matt Gay come at, came out, and and he made the same percentage. He made like eight of nine, and so it's gone back and forth like this. Um, except uh, two days ago, Matt Gay is out there and and he missed one field goal, but the the, the it was weird. The goalpost was sort of bent in. It hit the goalpost. You know, immediately Arians, you know, declared that it would have been good, but but for the bent goalpost and said he was said he was nine for nine or ten for ten, something like that. Uh, and then today, you know, Santos, who doesn't have as strong a leg, obviously, uh, came out and and went nine for nine, including one from like fifty five. I mean, it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Like these guys are not missing field goals, and they're hitting them deep. You know, they're hitting them from a long ways. But I, I wrote about this on a blog on Sunday. I don't see any way unless unless you know I mean I guess unless Gay were to just completely start missing and missing big in the preseason, you know, when there's a little bit more riding on it, although it's again it's preseason, but if if he can't make anything in the preseason, obviously you got you got Santos to fall back on. But if Gay does what he's done throughout his career, which is, you know, eighty something percent, there's no way with that strong of a leg that, that he's gonna lose his job. The problem is, is like any other rookie, especially at that position, is that, you know, the minute you make him your kicker, you will never know what he is going to do until you get to San Francisco the first week and there's a kick riding on the game. And, and you know, as good as he's been in preseason, it's just different, man. You cannot simulate game pressure. And, and you know, Santo has, has been there before, obviously, for a number of teams, including this one. But Gay has never done this in the NFL. Well, I don't. Be- I believe in college he never had a game-winning kick either. He never had a game-winning kick. Isn't that amazing? Like, I, I mean, I guess on the one hand he just went in that position, but mm-hmm. um, still he had a couple at halftime and this kind of thing. He's never been in that situation. So I don't know as a coach how you kind of go to bed at night thinking, okay, let's see, left tackle, yeah, I'm good there. Right tackle, Ron Donovan, I got, I got Jameis, I got a good defense. I'm upgraded. I'm, I'm, I'm confident in the young corners. Okay, kicker, kicker. Uh, well, I think we're okay, but we will find out tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like you have no idea. I mean, there's just there's no way to, to – and I'm kind of surprised they're going like one day, one day. I would think they should go every other kick. Like, you know, try to put as much pressure in real time as you can because that's the way it is in a game. You know, if, if some guy on the other team, you know, bangs one from 50 to put their team ahead and your team comes right down and you get a chance to tie it up, well, then you got to bang one from 50. You know what I mean? So 
you know, you can't never really simulate, uh, 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 you know, what what it means because there's only 16 of these and they're also huge. And and so you can't really put the pressure of 70,000 fans and the wind and all whatever's going on. But you can you can uh, ratchet it up a little bit. But so far, they've kind of declared, you know, this is your day. And then the next guy goes the next day. And they are dead even. And it's going to be, Sarian said it, it's going to be one hell of a kicking competition. Yeah, I, I think, this, you know, doing it a day at a time, and I get your, you know, you kind of go back and forth and it's a competition. But when you're the kicker of the team, you take every kick. You and do. So are you mentally strong enough to do that all practice or all game long? Yeah, not that's just true. you know, kind of back way. and forth with someone. It's today's your day. You know, yeah. you're, we're going to kick some early, middle, and late, and you know, you've got to make all of them. Or you know, essentially for the competition, you better make most of them. Yeah, they just they keep moving them back. You know, they start out at like extra point range, and and they go back ten yards. They switch hash marks, and it's quite a process to watch it. But uh, it also gives you, you know, you know, you have to kind of think about it. You know, you oh, do well. Let's see. Cairo hit Walls nine of day. nine today. I better come out, yeah. good, you know, and so that kind of puts pressure on you too. It's not. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. Bluenile.com code LISTEN. Every other kid. Yeah, you go to bed at night you know, knowing it's your day, yeah. Yeah, right. And, and, Just but like also you know what the guy game. the day before did. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, and as long as the guy's performing and they're pushing each other, which is why I think they're bringing out the best. Look, I... I didn't think Santos had as strong a leg as, as he has shown out here so far. I mean, the one he made from 55, you know, or, or so was would have been good from, from further. And the other guy, um, I don't know if you're familiar with sort of like if you've been out to One Buck Place, those of you who are listening, um, they have the um, the indoor facility behind, you know, the practice field one, the goalpost there, um, you know, in the south the south part of the, of the field. And there's a pretty good space between that goalpost and, say, the indoor facility. And then, you know, the one side of the indoor facility is, is a bunch of panes of windows. You know, they're probably, I don't know, some 20 feet high or whatever. Um, from 55 or 57, something like that, Gay blasted these balls off the indoor facility above the windows. I mean, it was the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Um, he's got an unbelievable strong leg. And so, uh, you know, you watch this and you go, holy moly. But maybe if you're a Bucks fan, you might keep your fingers crossed that they may have found something in this kid. Uh, and if they don't, they have a really, really good kicker, I think, in Cairo Santos. who's going to probably kick in the league somewhere um, because if he's this accurate and performs like this, then somebody's going to pick him up. There's no doubt about that. So interesting, uh, interesting first week of uh, training camp out there. And, of course, um, you know, keep it on TampaBay.com, and, and we'll have lots of updates for you. Uh, every day, again, tomorrow, practice, I believe, is at uh, 4 p.m. We've had a chance to talk to some players early in the day, usually around 11. Uh, a lot of stories that uh, that we've had up there already. And then, you know, there'll be more uh, more this week. So uh, make sure you, you, you stay on TampaBay.com. Did you happen to see, by the way, we were speaking of HBO, I wanted to talk about uh, Andrea Kramer's piece here real quick. That is that uh, she sat down, you know, with Bruce Arians, 
Look, he's 66 years old, and he, by the way, they jazzed up his golf cart. It's like pimp my golf cart. I think this is a new golf cart. It's uh, you know completely swagged out, you know, with the with the pu- with the red and the and the logo and all that sort of stuff. So he's riding around out there because, quite frankly, he he doesn't want to stand or can't stand or whatever, um, you know, for the two hours. And he's lost. You know, I asked him, I believe on Friday, how how he was doing. Well, I didn't gain any weight over the summer. That was that was. And now I can go back on my diet now that the chef's working again and uh, and try to lose maybe ten or fifteen before the first game. So uh, that that first twenty five was hard to get rid of. But uh, yeah, I, I feel great. Had a you know had a great physical again. So I'm I'm, re- I'm ready to roll. But he's had health problems. I mean that that was no secret when they hired him. You know, in Arizona when when he coached his last game and he told his team after in the locker room hey, I've just coached my last game he was real emotional and it was it, a lot of that was about health he's he's found himself and I didn't know this uh, Andrea Kramer mentioned this in the piece is that um, he has he has spent time in a hospital every year that he's been a head coach that is not a good sign and he's and, and she goes well, you're so cavalier about this because he was flipping almost he goes yeah he goes you know it'll probably happen to me again It'll probably happen again this year, but it won't be that serious. I won't miss any time. Like, how can you be that cavalier? But he just said, he goes, look, I, I'm a football coach. You know, I, I tried to do the broadcasting thing, and I was bored, and, you know, this is what I do. And he goes, look, if I die coaching football, have a couple drinks and celebrate. <laughs> it's just so weird, man. But uh, I think it's going to be a good piece on on Arians, you know, going forward. Another HBO that I'm looking forward to. Hard knocks, man. This can't start soon enough. It's got to be what? This week? It's got to be starting this week, right? The week before, once they get into training camps. I recall. Yeah, I don't know Bucks how quick that. I mean, they just reported. I think they reported Friday, first practice Saturday. They were like one of the last yeah. teams to start. So, so. I'm, But they do a lot of, you know, that first segment, they do a lot of pre recorded right. stuff. Like they went to Derek Carr's house, the way they went to Keyshawn, or uh, Keyshawn, Deshaun Jackson's house. And they do a lot of, a lot of the first episode of a lot of home stuff, you know, and different things uh doug martin i think was was in the first one and so um not with the raiders which he is now but i mean when he was with the bucks so i saw you know some of the previews there's one with Derek cars at his house and and some others but you see gruden gruden there's one segment i swear it's only like it can't be more than 60 seconds long it is absolutely like all i need to see because you know gruden is terrific anyway and and as we were talking you mentioned he knows how to play to the camera, but he, he knew how to do that before he got the job at Monday Night Football. Now he really knows. So he's talking to his team once the veterans get in. <laughs> All I could think of is, like, he's no Martin Luther King. But he had, to, he had this speech ready for them and kind of talking to him about it, and, and he, was, he was trying to press upon them, you know, how important, how different the NFL is. And he goes, you know, everybody's everybody right got now has dream. dreams, don't they, guys? I said it to the rookies, all right? Everybody in the NFL, I have a dream of making it in the NFL. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. You guys with me on that? You got to end somebody's dream. You got to take their job. You got to take their heart. Are you guys, you guys clear about this NFL now? We're not trying to go to the Peach Bowl. We're not trying to go to the Gator Bowl. Or the Blue Bonnet, Bonnet Bowl. Bowl. I'm thinking the Blue Bonnet Bowl. They haven't played the Blue Bonnet Bowl in like 20 years. What is he talking about? It's unbelievable how good this is. <laughs> but these guys are all just looking at him like, holy crap, I didn't know. It's, it's amazing. The first show is uh, next Tuesday, August 6th. Next Tuesday, August 6th. Well, listen, I let my HBO um, 
subscription, you know, I kind of I'm on and off about it. So right now it's not on. I'm subscribing again because I have to watch Hard Knocks. I just do. It's a great show anyway. I enjoyed I enjoy, you know, when it was here, but even before that, the other segments with the Cowboys and the Browns and stuff, um, they do such a good job. This one, by far, I don't care what happens, by far this will be the best because of who's in it, you know. And Derek Carr and him, of course, you know, aren't known for having the best of relationships, I guess, right? Who knows if that's going to continue on Mm -hmm. to Las Vegas or not. Well, you start with Antonio Brown. Oh, Richie Incognito. Right. <laughs> it's right. I mean, you start look at the cast of characters out there. It's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, all right, let's talk about the Rays, Steve. You uh, you watched this debacle <laughs> that they had. Goodness gracious, uh, had a seven run lead on Saturday, and nine to two i believe it was it was like the seventh inning or something like that or later yeah so the rays after the sixth inning i don't think got another hit i mean they the blue jays were perfect after the sixth inning against 21 the rays in a row like I think they yeah. Down. Yeah. yeah yeah wow but yeah they built, they built up a nine to two lead and you're thinking they can't blow this no i mean even with that bad bullpen against the blue jays yeah i mean they've got a couple hitters i mean it, yeah, they do. Their pitching's not really good, but they got some hitters. But still, you're going, mm-hmm. yeah, it's seven runs. Come on. Right. You know, Andrew Kitchers went three to start, and you only expected to get two out of him. But he was pitching well, and they went three. And, and Neil Solens and I were sitting there talking about, all right, so you went Kitchers three. You're hoping Beeks can get you five, and then you only use one other pitcher the rest of the night for yeah, the last inning. Deal. Or you know, maybe he gets you six, and you don't have to use anybody else. But mm-hmm. with Beeks, you know, if you could get five, even if you only went four with him, then you you know use a pitcher for the eighth, pitcher for the ninth, and move on to, to Sunday's game. Well, that didn't work out. Literally, Steve, every move that Kevin Cash made was the wrong one and resulted in home runs. <laughs> I mean, the ball was leaving the yard. Every guy he put in there, it didn't seem to matter. A lot of gopher balls served up. I mean, it, yeah. It, yeah, it didn't matter whether it was, what, Poche, Pagan. Well, Pagan was yeah. picking extra innings, but Drake – Drake, uh, yeah, know, it, it it didn't really matter. They just, you know, Beaks as usual. Once he started getting runners on, couldn't retire them. Couldn't get, you know, he his he seems to have a confidence problem. Yeah, of, I agree. You know, when, when when things are going fine, he's great. But as soon as he starts getting runners on, he forgets how to pitch. He stop. He can't throw a strike. He yeah. starts uh, nibbling and trying to trying to be too perfect instead of attacking hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it just it, you, and it that's one of those games where you're almost like, this may be the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just mm-hmm. it felt that deflating of a seven run lead, right? And you gave it up and and you know go to extra innings and you still can't you know you don't get a hit. It required twenty one straight batters, and mm-hmm. then they finally get the home run in the 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 twelfth inning to win it. A walk off, ten to yeah. a walk off ten to nine, and you're sitting there going, you know where we're sat in the standings and you know the bullpen's bad you're going you know this may be it for the season and to confirm that they went out and trailed by seven again (laughs) i mean you know it wasn't like they inspired a whole lot of confidence being down seven runs on sunday yeah yanni chirinos had a rough day on sunday he he was not not his best effort and you know he wasn't able to to put the pitches where he wanted and didn't pitch very well and so yeah so they're down what eight to one Yep. And then, then they start coming back, and, and then all of a sudden it's you know nine to six, and then 
They get the two-run home run from Guillermo Heredia to make it 9-8. And then Willie Damas gets the home run to make it 9-9 in the eighth inning all of a sudden. You're like, whoa. Well, how did this happen? I mean, you're, you know, 8-1, to one, you're thinking, after yesterday's game? Yeah, they've mailed it in. And, and kudos to the Rays for coming back. I mean, it would have been easy for that team to go, well, let's just move on to Boston. We've got an off day tomorrow. Let's move on to Boston Tuesday night. But they didn't. Yeah. You know, that's ex- yeah. And I think exactly ESPN said, said. Per, per Elias Sports, that this is the first time ever that a team has led by seven runs, blew the game and lost, and then trailed by seven runs the next day and won the game. First time ever in baseball history. It's just, it's just crazy. And, and I give them all credit in the world for doing that because – you know, they, they could have easily just said, boys, let's get on the plane. This is not, not our week, not our day. I mean, they have, uh, you know, it was just their fourth win in the last 12 games. They've won 10 of their last 22, I guess, and 19 of the last 43. So they've been under 500 in the last 43 games. But there's still 12 games over 500, and that's the thing. They moved within percentage points of tying the Red Sox and the A's for the second wild card spot. And as you mentioned, they're going to Boston yep. for – head-to-head starting on Tuesday. They're actually a half game ahead of Boston now who lost on Sunday night. They lost as we were there taping. The, the game yeah. went finals. We're taping this. So they're a half mm-hmm. game behind Oakland for the second wild card, a half game ahead of Boston in that chase, and they're three and a half behind Cleveland for the first wild card. So a uh, big series against Boston this, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, off day in Boston today. So yeah. tomorrow starts a big series, and it could really determine the rest of the season. And the trading deadline is a Wednesday afternoon. That's going to be a big one to watch. I don't know if they're buyers or sellers or if they'll do anything, to be honest with you. Well, hard to tell what the trades they made today. So they on Sunday, they made three trades. First, they traded uh, Ian Jabot to the Rangers, who they had DFA'd Jabot earlier in the week to make room on the 40-man roster to activate Matt Duffy. Right. So they're trading him to the Rangers for a player to be named later. It'll be a minor prospect, I'm sure. It's, it's get something for him instead of just dumping him and getting nothing for him. They, then they trade Eric's for Eric Sogard from the Blue Jays, who you're thinking, that must be a pitcher, right? No. Nope. He's an infielder who can also play the corner outfield spots. But and, and, and seeing what Neil Solans was saying about this, too, that, look, with Brandon Lau and Yandy Diaz being on the disabled list right now and don't know when they're going to come back, they haven't started rehabs at this point or anything, this provides more infield depth for them. And a guy who's very versatile can play a lot of different positions. He's also a contact hitter. Um, I, I think I saw he's got the fifth highest percentage of contact on a baseball that he swings at, at nearly 90% wow. in baseball wow. this year. Um, he's hitting, I think, around 300 this season. So um, they're getting him to probably play a lot. Of, I mean, Mark, Mark Topkin in his article said he's probably going to play a lot of second base, and Joey Wendell's going to play more at short, which means Willie Adamas may be getting a little less time Wow, um, as they go forward. Uh, and obviously they always do things on matchups, so we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. Um, they traded uh, Hunter Wood and Christian Arroyo to get uh, uh, the, the, to make room on the forty man. They had to make a, a forty man spot for Sogard, so they traded Hunter Wood and Christian Arroyo to Cleveland for a prospect outfielder and some international slot money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was going to Neil to figure out exactly how that plays out. Christian Arroyo and Hunter Wood both would be out of options next year. Mm-hmm. Neither one is probably going to make the club next year full time which right. means you were probably going to lose both of them next year anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. Christian Arroyo's kind of fallen behind, you know, from Brendan Lau and Duffy and Adamas and Wendell and Robertson and Mike Brasso, who's moved ahead of him, and, and others. Yeah. Um, you know, he just – it's a numbers game more than anything. And, and, you know, where were you going to play him? Where were you going to get him time? Uh, Hunter mm-hmm. Wood, 
you, you know, maybe you didn't want to lose him this year, but you probably weren't going to keep him next year. He probably wasn't going to make the team full time, and he was going to be out of options. So uh, you needed the forty man space as well for Eric Sogard. So you traded him. You got a, low, a, a outfield prospect that you know if he's going to make the big leagues, it's going to be a couple years left, which is probably good for the Rays based on some of the prospects they have coming up. That you know, you got a couple more years, and then they got international slot money, which they always use to sign prospects, and they've been pretty good with. So minor deals. I mean, I, I, Eric Sogard's a good player. His contract is up at the end of the year, so you know that he may be just a rental for the Rays, but. You know, I think it's it's adding some more versatility and a, a contact hitter in that lineup, maybe to help. You know, with him and Matt Duffy, maybe they'll be a little more, you know, getting men on, getting them over, getting them in type plays instead of just mm-hmm. relying on the long ball, which is what they've done a lot of lately. So I, I think right. it could be a good move. I don't think any of these, you know, all of a sudden go, oh, they're a playoff team now. Um, you know, you st- you still got to address the bullpen, I believe, in pitching and maybe even a starter at this point with Blake Snell now on the disabled list, which that, <clears throat> oh. you know, that was uh, not not good or expected. I mean, it, we said all year with, you know, with them going at the beginning of the year, it was three starters and two openers. And Yanni Trinos has kind of worked his way into a starter position. But we said if you lose one of those starters for a long period of time, they're in trouble. Well, Glassnell's been out for a long time. And now Blake Snell's on the DL for the second time. But they're still a half game out of the wild card. So they're right there. Well, they're there, and and yet, you know, I I think they probably needed a hitter, um, but we'll see if Sogard, you know, can help their offense. I've been impressed with what Matt Duffy has done for as much time as he's missed. He's picked up, mm-hmm. um, you know, with hitting balls in the gap and and making a lot of contact and, um, you know, getting on base and, and doing some of those things. Look, I I kind of went back and forth on Twitter with some people. I I don't know if you're Eric Nander, like what you know. How much are you willing to give up in terms of your prospects to help this team make the postseason? I mean, they are right there, you know, despite this horrible month and a half, whatever it's been the last, you know, 50, 60 games, um, they're still right there. And yet, you know, the division is lost. I mean, they're not going to they're not going to get to the Yankees and win the AL East, at least unless it took a cataclysmic collapse by the Yankees. Well, I don't know. Have you so seen the really... Yankees pitching staff this week? Well, I have this week, yeah. I mean, they got they First time got since 1912 they gave up shellacked. 40 runs in five games. <laughs> it was Boston, though. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, Mookie – here's the other thing. The baseballs are juiced, okay? Can we just – Mookie Betts hit three more home runs in a game. Do you know it's the fifth time he's done it in his career? What is he, like 28, 27 years old? The, the major league record is six. This guy's hit three home runs in a game five times already, for goodness sakes. It's insane how many balls are flying. But they absolutely bashed the Yankees until they get to Sunday night. And then the Yankees turned the, turned the tide with some really bad defense by the Red Sox. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the balls are flying out of the place. But it's a big series. And, you know, if they were able to take them down a couple of pegs, then they, they're still right there. I just don't know how much you give up for a play-in game. You know what I mean? For what essentially is going to be either the first or second wild card, and you have to win to see if you can then move on and play in the postseason. Um, if they're, if they're going to give up game. prospects, big-time prospects, it's going to be for a yeah. player they control more than just this year. That's right. That's right. You know, For instance, the, the Mets just traded for uh, Marcus Stroman from the, the Blue Jays. Yes. They gave up their number fourth and sixth prospect in their, in their talent pool, both pitchers. They gave right. up to the Blue Jays for him. Now, Stroman... As and they they got some cash back, but he's owed about two and a half million this year. He's going to go to arbitration and and, and get more than his seven point whatever million he was making this year. So, you know, the Mets tra- traded two big prospects to get a pitcher back that they're going to have control over for a couple of years. 
That's right. Now, the Mets have a pretty depleted farm system. My guess is they're still going to trade Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard this week to yeah. build back up their farm system, which is depleted. Then you gave up your fourth and sixth prospects. So, Right. Right. But, I but, I mean, look, um, if they can get help, they should get it. This isn't Kevin Cash's fault. He definitely needs somebody in the back of the bullpen he can count on. He's doing the best he can. Uh, I heard people, you know, complaining about, you know, his moves. And, I, you know, this, the, he has who he has. And it, to me, again, it's remarkable they're 12 games over 500 with not just that, but the injuries they've had. This is not a team that's going to score a lot of runs anyway. But then you take Brandon Lau out for a while and Yanni Diaz and, um, you know, by the way, Tommy Pham, who's done some things offensively, got picked off again, and they took him out of the ball game um, this time. Yeah, he left hurt so, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that wasn't good. So you don't know what you got there. But um, you know, look, it, they're not. You know, they're going to struggle offensively without the few good bats that they had going for a while, and they're just going to be pitching in defense, and you're going to have to try to plot along and. And see if you can't, you know, stay stay clear of the of, of Cleveland and, and the A's and try to try to gain one of those wild card spots. But it's a big series starting Tuesday against the Red Sox, and they're playing really really well, and and probably you know arguably them and the Yankees with the best lineups in baseball, the hardest to navigate. You're gonna have to score runs against those guys. I mean, you're not gonna beat them two to one very often. So you know they're they're gonna have to get the bats going a little bit and and pitch well, or they won't have a chance anyway. And Maybe it's a chance for the Red Sox to separate, or maybe it's a chance for, you know, the the Rays to uh, to get on top a little bit more. So, by the way, did you see Trevor Bauer for the Cleveland Indians on Sunday? I did not. So I heard about this. Not having a very good outing, and it's in like I think it's in the fifth inning, and he's down seven or eight to five, something like that. He'd just given up five runs in the inning. Terry Francona is coming out to to pull him out of the game, and he turns and chucks the ball into center field. Hits this batter's eye. What? Hits the batter's <laughs> eye behind. Luckily, he didn't throw it in the stands. <laughs> Jesus. Just got ticked and chucked it. <laughs> what What did Francona do? Uh, he wasn't Just real happy. Like... I mean, you know, he, <laughs> no. he said something, you know, who said something to him and, you know, then Bauer. Now, you've got to be, you got to be fined or sat down for a while after that, don't you? You can't I... show up your manager like that. You're supposed to hand him the ball, right? I don't, I don't think he was show. I don't, I think. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't see in the postgame quotes. I didn't, my, my take was that he was, ticked at the manager taking him. I think he was ticked at himself. Well, that's or may- maybe fine. something with the umpire. I don't know. I mean, I didn't see the game. I just saw the actual, you know, throwing the ball to center field, which I think well, Rob Dibble weird. did that once and hit a lady, actually. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's weird, man. Yeah, I think it was after the game field. he chucked it, and the people were leaving, and he hit a lady out in the outfield. But <laughs> if I recall, that was back in the 80s. Oh, geez. That's, that's a new one for me. I haven't heard that. That's – that's kind of wacky. Yeah. And did you see AJ was, Green's injury in the NFL? I saw where he tore ligaments in his ankle. I wasn't yeah. exactly sure how that occurred. So really. it was the Bengals' first practice, which normally okay. they practice uh, the fields next door to Paul Brown Stadium, right there on the river in Cincinnati. That's right. It's the NFL's hundredth anniversary, and one of the original teams in the NFL was located in Dayton, which is about an hour north of Cincinnati. And mm-hmm. actually, the first NFL game was played in Dayton, which I didn't even mm-hmm. realize that. So the NFL wanted the Bengals to practice in Dayton for the first game at Welcome Stadium, University of Dayton Stadium. Well, apparently mm-hmm. the turf's not very good. And A.J. Green in the first practice now tears ligaments and is out six to eight weeks. Ugh. You're the Bengals. You cannot be happy about that. No, no. Not when they made them practice there, and if it's bad turf. Although I did have an argument recently with somebody that will go nameless that 
you got documentation that more injuries happen on turf than grass? I'm like, doesn't everybody have documentation well, that that's the case? I, look at this. I know that I mean, more uh, injuries happen on bad turf yeah, than, whether, sure. than good turf or grass. So, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, if yeah. you're the Bengals, you cannot be happy about that. You know, Hopefully he only misses a week or two of the regular season. but Yeah. Well, the Bengals, they got a long road anyway. You know who went to the University of Dayton, don't you, man? I do. They, uh, it was a third-string quarterback at Dayton, man. It was bad turf back then, too. Well, that's uh, that's a busy weekend in sports. And, uh, of course, we're going to have all your all your Bucks coverage here all week long. These guys, they practice a lot, man. They, they, they Their next day off is Wednesday. Um, then they go all the way, I think, to Sunday. And then they got another week of practice until they play the following Friday. A week from this coming Friday, they play at Pittsburgh, their first preseason game. They practice and, a lot, but there's no three-a-days anymore. <laughs> no, that's true. It's one-a-days. Although our days are long, but nobody yeah. cares about that. But it's uh, yeah, it's just one practice, and like I said, man, it's if you get a chance to go out there, you'll enjoy it. Uh, you know, there's it's different. There's no music. It's just um, it's Bruce and and uh, his guys flying around, and you know what? It's it's going to be an interesting year. I don't know how many games you're going to win. I mean, you know, every year they win somewhere between five and seven, but it's a big year. It's an important year for some guys like like Jameis Winston and. Like to see him cut down on the turnovers in practice, and you know, again, like we had one today that Hargraves picked off, and the guy didn't run a very good route. It was Brashad Perriman, and so you know, Hargraves was able to jump it. And you just don't know, you know, to, to the average fan sort of watching, like what's going on. But they had too many guys come free. He would have been absolutely blasted if he had to stand in that pocket, um, you know, on Sunday. And so they got to clean some of that up. But I, but usually you see the offense fight back, and that's that's the interesting thing about training camp is is that you know. Somebody wins every day, right, uh, one, one side or the other. Um, so we'll be out to cover that. So um, appreciate you guys listening. We uh, will have a, a bunch of good shows for you this week. I'm sure we'll have, uh, sure, I'm sure we'll have a mailbag. Um, Tom Jones we'll will be on at some Tom point to be, de- yeah. to be determined when, but he will be on. Always a good guest. So lots of great things coming, uh, coming for you uh, in the not-too-distant future. So thanks for listening to Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Erstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food, and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.